Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23. This is Life in Perspective, episode 18, Heart Check. <laughs> Let's get it. Life in Perspective. Yo, this is episode 18. I'm tripping out that we are almost to episode 20. Like, I love embarking on this journey with y'all. Man, like, I'm super excited. I think, you know, we have started to get in a rhythm and a flow. And I think that it's really important for us to put, like, our heart posture um, into perspective. I think sometimes it's great, you know, for us to just check the why. Or maybe you're identifying the why of why you do what you do and what is it rooted in. And I think if you asked me that today, I simply just want to please God. Like I just want, I literally want my life in the way that I live it to be a testament that God is real. And I feel like the way that my life has been progressing um, month to month, day to day, year, even year to year, it's like I can see the hand of God on my life. I can also remember a time when the hand of God um, was on my life, but I wasn't really embracing his hand. <laughs> and I felt like I just wanted us to have this conversation, you know, just to kind of reflect. I remember when I was experiencing, you know, my journey that I've kind of shared with you guys along in the podcast. I remember how I, how I understood how my heart needed to be in a certain place, not just for me to be able to survive, but for me to be able to keep God's heart in the forefront of how I responded. Um, there's something that I always, always would say like, Lord, let my response be a reflection of you. And I, I remember that every morning I would wake up before I had to go to work and I would say, there's a scripture, I think it's in Psalms and it says, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Because every day I would, while I was journeying through that time in my life, I would experience things that would hit my heart, but I didn't want to live through them. I didn't want to respond out of them. I wanted to be able to continue to see people the way that God was seeing them and to not allow how someone was treating me to change how change who I was essentially. And I would wake up every morning and I would say, Lord, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me because I needed my heart to be clean. I needed my heart to be pure. I couldn't take on, um, I couldn't take on what was happening to me. Like I couldn't take it to my heart. And so I remember confessing that every day I would say, Lord, I would wake up and I would say, Lord, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. And Lord, let my response be a consistent reflection of who you are. And so if we know God, we know that he's love, which means that no matter what happens to me this day, my response is always going to be one of love. And whoo, let me just tell y'all that that was not a very easy journey at all. I think about it, it literally was physical taking me out um, because I was internalizing, you know, those feelings. And so what I did learn is that I needed to still acknowledge that I was being hurt, that I was experiencing pain and trauma, and then ask God to create me a clean heart. But I think if in that moment I would have processed, it it would have been, it would have been a harder battle to not respond. And I just, I really appreciate that the fact that even if I had have responded out of my flesh or how if I had responded out of my natural right, 
because I was being done wrong. But had I responded out of that, the amazing thing about God is that he gives us grace. But there's another scripture that says men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so sometimes, you know, if you churchy, we used to use like, well, child, God knows my heart. It's like, I think even the heart behind that using that word is usually a bad excuse for living bogus. You know, you live in bogus and yes, God does know your heart. and He knows that out of your heart, you are intentionally defying what he's telling you to do. That one was free. But I think for me, you know, I just, I just, I love God so much. And every morning still like still to this day, like I lay my heart out before God and ask him to remove, you know, any intention any self-serving intention, anything that would make me along the way think that all the things that he is calling me to has anything to do with me. And I think we say that here at Life in Perspective all the time. It's not about us, but I, I need us to really embrace that in the fact of like, even when God starts to open up doors and, you know, start to give us favor and give us platforms and give us influence, that is not about us. And one thing that he's really been on me about is how are you stewarding what's already in your hands? I think oftentimes, you know, we get to a place, we live in a self-serving society and culture. And I think we sometimes get to a place where we like, oh God, I can't wait till you get me here. And I can't wait till we do this. And I can't wait till we accomplish this. And oftentimes you got, I'm super ambitious and I don't know if that's a sin or if that's not what we're supposed to be as believers, but I'm like, um, okay, I won't call it ambitious. I'm like a very determined person. Like if God shows me something, you know, I'm going to put everything in it to make sure I reach that. But sometimes we miss what's already in our hands and God wants to know how we stewarding that. I think about, and I think we've talked about this before, you know, the talents and how, you know, he gave out the talents and then he says, okay, now go do something with them. I think oftentimes we sometimes bury what we have in our hands looking for what sometimes everybody else has or waiting on God to give us more because he gave me one talent and I went and buried it in the ground but what did you do with what I gave you why you in my face asking me for more and sometimes that's me you know sometimes God is like okay I hear you I hear what you want but what have you done with what I've given you how many people have you led to me with what I've already given laid before you what did you do with the last instruction I gave you did you follow it or did you kind of be like all right God I'm gonna do it when I get to it but you here asking me for something else sometimes it's for more responsibility Lord enlarge my territory what have you done with what you have already it says be faithful over little I'll make you ruler over much and we don't um act out of faithfulness for the little so we can get the much it's that I will work this little like it's the only opportunity I'll ever have not with thoughts of like it'll bring me to something bigger but because I honor God so much and I honor what he's given me I'm gonna work this like this all I have and then when he realizes that he can trust me with it because he sees my heart and he understands my motives then he'll begin to enlarge it you know every week I try to give us a bible study to shift our perspective um so that we can like find someone in the bible that we can kind of mirror ourselves after or use as an example of what not to do and this week it will be of what not to do and so I'm gonna tell y'all about my boy Saul um who was a king and Saul was a king and he was anointed by God and he was called by God and this I think Saul got a little too big for his britches and I felt like Saul needed a heart check before he made decisions that got him uh checked and essentially dethroned I feel like um Saul's a perfect person to to reflect on because we always talk about David being um 
God's anointed king and chosen king. But we have to recognize that so was Saul until Saul thought it was about him. And there's a specific story. Um, well, it's actually the story um, where Saul was given some instructions to wait on Samuel, the prophet, to show up before he made a sacrifice to the Lord to move in to battle. Right. And Saul was listening to that. Um, so if you guys want to read it, it is first Samuel 13 verses seven through 14. And basically it's Saul's disobedience and Samuel's rebuke. Basically God told Saul to wait. Saul did not wait, but I think what is more important to focus on here is the reason why Saul didn't wait. So Saul got impatient. He waited for Samuel for seven days. Samuel didn't show up. So Saul starts paying attention. He like, yo, my soldiers, they leaving. Um, I'm losing the crowd. I feel like they are losing confidence in me. And I think I need to make a move. And so Saul decides he going to light the offering and offer up a, a sacrifice to the Lord without the prophet being there. And uh, when Samuel rolled up, he was hot. He basically told Saul, you know, you'd have messed up. I told you to wait. You didn't honor his word. And uh, basically, uh, he was going to establish your kingdom. And because you did not wait on him, he's already chosen someone else. And he is a man after his own heart. So it's over with for you, buddy. And I was like, dang, you know, I was like, I didn't really play with Saul. And it was very much so checking to me because if we fast forward this same scenario to 2020 2021 2022 2019 2018 the the, the 20s if we fast forward this situation to here I think about how many times have we received a prophetic word or we've read something in the Bible and we've received instruction from God in whatever manner or method he's spoken to us and we try to make it happen or we get tired of waiting and we roll out our other plans or we we release it prematurely and then we start thinking about how it makes us look and we like dang they're not really listening no more they're not really liking my pictures no more they're not really liking my videos no more so i'm gonna do this and we step outside of the will of god to produce a purpose of God. It it doesn't really make sense. And I think that the reason that God acted so quickly in this is because he looked at Saul's heart. That was a decision not just made out of circumstance. Saul made that decision in his heart that he felt like what the people were saying and how they felt it was more important than what God said. And I think we all have to stop and just check our hearts in this moment. Because when I read that, I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, God, I don't want to be making decisions off of people or how they see me or my ego or my pride or any of that. Like, I'm, I don't care. If you tell me to wait, if you give me a word, that's the only thing that my decision needs to be made out of. And I'm like, ah, oh, we got to check our hearts. We got to check our hearts because what is your motivating factor in 
everything you do. Like not just the big stuff, even the little stuff. Like when you share something with a person, what's your motive behind it? Like check your heart out of it flows the issues of life. And so it's like, I think we don't really recognize too how exposing our hearts are. You know, when we say things, they don't just, that's not coming out of air. It's something on the inside of you that produced that comment or that produces that conversation or that produces that decision. And I just think we just have to, we just have to check our hearts more often. We have to stop and take a moment. And when we feel ourselves getting off track, God doesn't condemn us. Just get back on there. And it is a simple prayer. Lord created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me because now I can, now I have your perspective of this. If Saul would have just took a beat and said, man, I've seen God come through. It don't matter if it looks like I'm at the end of whatever this is. I know he's going to come through. And if his instruction was to wait, then I'll wait. Sometimes God delays things to check the posture of our hearts because oftentimes we'll be committed to something, but when it doesn't happen in our time, we over it. I remember prior to moving to LA, I really wanted to come here in 2014 and God kind of put a hold at it. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, boom, you know, I'll wait on the Lord. And then a couple months turned into a year and a year turned into, I didn't move to LA till four years later. <laughs> and I remember those first, that first year and a half of like accepting, but not really accepting that God told me to wait. It was miserable. I, I, my heart posture was not aligned with what I said okay to. So it was like, I gave God a yes with my mouth, but not with my heart. And so I was really focused on, okay, when you gonna let me go? And I never settled. It took me a year and a half to genuinely settle in where God had called me to be. And then I was able to embrace that this is where he wanted me to be. So much so that LA floated away. I didn't even really think about it much anymore, have it as an option. And when God started to tell me that this is where he wanted me to come, I wasn't even, I wasn't really okay with it because I had settled in the fact that maybe I was supposed to be in Chicago and working in ministry and doing all of that stuff. And he was like, okay, now I, now I know you can't handle it because now my motives were right. Because by that time I was genuinely in a space where I was like, God, I just want to please you. I just want to do what you want me to do. And so I had genuinely, literally maybe like months prior to making the decision. I mean, a lot of things helped in that decision, but maybe like a year prior to that, I was asked, you know, like, is LA still a plan? And I was like, no, I feel like this is where God has called me and I'm settled here. And the moment I said that, he said, all right, let's go. (laughs) It's very interesting. It was like this whole journey of like, it was four years of me running from what God was calling me to do. It, it's really interesting. Um, like people, it doesn't matter where I go. Someone will call me Pastor Brenda. It's really quite annoying. <laughs> and it's very interesting because it will be like people I don't really know. We'll just have a conversation. And it's interesting that they will just start calling me that. doesn't matter. And I think that is funny because it was something that I just, I hated it. Like that four years was literally like a process of running. I remember I had like made a decision that I was going to like live appropriately. I was leading um, young adults. And I remember going to my line sister's wedding and kind of like going on this binge of just turning up because I was trying to disqualify myself from what I knew he was saying. It was like, I could feel the tug of my call extremely strong. And I was tugging the other way. (laughs) And I was trying to prove to God why I was not the person that he wanted to call for this. It was like, you don't want me to lead people. I'm out here turning up. Like you don't want to do that. And I think that it's interesting because it goes back to the scripture where it's like man looks at the outward appearance God looks at the heart God knew that deep in my heart I wanted to please him but he also knew that I was out here he didn't care about none of that 
he still he it it there's it's Jeremiah one he says before you were formed in your mother's womb I knew you which means he knows the person he created me to be so there's absolutely nothing I could do to change his mind he I am who he says I am and I think that it's really interesting because I think that's the other side of our hearts that we have to check in the heart posture that we have to understand is that God doesn't care where you've been he doesn't care what you've done he doesn't care all of the ways that you've tried to prove to him that you are not qualified for where he's calling you to. He looks at your heart and all God is asking for is a willing heart to be led by him. And then he's like, now we could go and shake the world because now I know that your motive and your deciding factor is me. I know that it's pleasing me. So now I can trust you in the world. I can trust you, Brenda, in LA because I know that when you get there, you understand that you're there for me. Not your own motives, not your own plan, not your own will, not your own desires like they not they are not what will lead you I know that at the root of this all you just want to please me so now you can go and it was literally right at the moment where I was like I really feel like there is a pastoral call in my life doesn't ever mean that I have to be ordained as a pastor or preaching a pulpit I know that the grace that is on my life is very much so pastoral and so I got into a space where I was like all right God I can't run no more I'm here you know Let's do it. And he was like, great. Now let's pack up and move to LA where nobody knows this journey that you've been on and now go pastor people. And I was like, what? It don't even, it don't even make sense, bruh. I, I, I finally said yes to what you said. And now you want me to pack up and go and start my whole life over. All right, let's do it. And I feel like it's the same thing that happened with Jesus. You know, Jesus begins. I, I read this all the time because I'm turning 30 um, in a couple of months. And there's a passage in Luke and it says Jesus began his public ministry at 30. And right after that, he ends up in the wilderness. <laughs> and I feel like I identify with that, that as soon as I embraced the call of God on my life, he was like, all right, now go where no one knows and still give me a yes. And I think that we have to be okay with that. We have to be able, we have to be okay with giving God a yes in private and nobody ever sees it and nobody ever knows it and be okay with that. And I think it leads me to like Saul's disobedience prepared the way for David. And I think the funny thing is that David didn't have a clue, you know, about Saul and all his mess ups and all that other stuff. But it was like God had him on this journey in the field, preparing him for Saul's disobedience. I think that that was really interesting, though, because after David gets anointed as king and gives God a yes, he goes back to the field. And it's like we have to be okay with being who God called us to be, even when no one can see it, even when no one knows like and it has to be less about a title and less about acknowledgement and less about people embracing it like it's just about it's about you and God a spoon is a spoon a spoon is not out here trying to be a fork a spoon is a spoon because it understands that it's a spoon it understands that it's used to scoop things not poke them and so I don't know it's really random (laughs) but it's like we have to be okay with being used for what we were created for and it only being about that like us putting our life into perspective and embracing the purpose and call that God has put on our life is simply about being who God created us to be for him. Like it's not about anything else. And I think once we get into that place, then God is like, I got you. Cause now I know that it's not fame or popularity. None of that is what is fueling you or pushing you. Because here's the thing, y'all, all of that fades away. The only thing in life that is consistent is God. And so I just want whatever I do to be rooted in him. Pleasing God 
is my motivating factor. And I want you to take a moment and write down what your motivating factor is. I also want you to reflect on what it used to be. For me, I just wanted I just I just wanted to have money. Like I wanted to have a consistent job. I also wanted to prove that you don't have to be a teacher and a lawyer to be successful because that was never going to be me. But it was almost me because it's like, oh, you work a job to have money. And I think for me, it was just kind of rooted in like, dang, this is like a dream that's in my heart and I want it to come true. I literally was living life chasing my dreams. And then I came across a revelation of Matthew 6 and 33, and it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Which means I started chasing God, and then my dreams started catching me. And I'm, but that's literally like the shift of my life. I think we'd be like, yo, I'm on this grind. I'm chasing my dreams. I have to chase my dreams because the dream God placed it in my heart, which means it's already mine. So I think if I chase him, it'll be revealed over time and I'll start to become the person that he has created me to be. And as I align with him, the things that I need will be aligned with me and I'll run into them. They'll be drawn. They'll come to me. You don't have to chase anything that's already yours. That's even for relationships. Just throwing that out there. But I think that I just wanted us to have this talk. Like it's just kind of been what's on my heart because it's my daily prayer that God just keeps my heart pure, man. Like here's a song by Travis Green and it's like an intro like to the start of his album. But he just says and he just says like having clean hands and a pure heart is his desire. And that, that is my prayer. You know that my response is always a reflection of who God is and his character, my motivating like what keeps me in a place of humility and understanding is that I just, it's just for God. Ultimately, it's not about me. I say that to y'all all the time because it's something I have to tell myself because every time I'm be feeling like doing stuff. And I, I remember having to release the podcast and it, it came down to God saying, are you going to be more concerned about how people see you or what they think about you over what I'm telling you to do? Because essentially that means that they are your God. And I didn't appreciate the chin check, but I appreciated the chin check because that's not at all my heart, but I needed to understand that that's how God views it. And I remember a time in college where I was going to choose to walk away from my sorority because I felt like a part of it, like it had become my God essentially. And it was like, or all my friends. It was like what I love to do. But it, there were some battles of me transitioning, like being really serious about my relationship with God. And I was like in this battle. And in that time, I didn't choose God. I was like, I know you're probably telling me to walk away from this, but I don't want to because <laughs> I don't really see life outside of this. And then there was a moment where I had to make that decision again. And I'm like, now nah, I'm choosing you. I'm going with you all the way. I'm going all in. And I think until we learn to go all in, we will never fully be settled in our heart. I think about the salvation scripture, and I think it's Romans 9 and 10. And it says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be saved. And I think 
think there is that's important that we have to understand that it's more than just giving God a yes verbally. We have to, in our heart, surrender everything. It's sacrifice. Like it's literally laying your life down. It's when Jesus, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me in order to take up something, you got to put something down. And that's simply what it is. Giving God a yes means I lay down my thoughts, my will, my plans, my emotions, how things make me feel. None of that matters. I lay it down and I say your will for mine. There that your will for mine is an exchange. It means how I thought this was going to happen and how I saw this and how I want this to happen. It means I am giving you that and I'm taking on your perspective and now I'm moving forward with your view of it. And I think that we don't often even view salvation that way, you know, because God is our savior, but there is a certain exchange that happens when you give God a yes. And when you accept him as your savior, you instantly say, dang, how I plan my life. It don't even matter because now I'm saying that I'm yours. And when you are yours, He's Lord. It means he controls what this is. I make the decision to follow the command, but when he becomes Lord, he rules life, which means there's a way that I want this to happen. But as my Lord, what he says goes. And I think when we are motivated by pleasing him, that process gets easier. It gets easier for me to lay down. Dang, I thought this was going to go like this, but it don't matter. Whatever you say, God, let's do it. Like we're going to have at it. And I think because of how loving he is, he doesn't like the journey isn't at all easy. But when I start to understand that he's Lord and he rules and I submit and surrender, not just me, but all of my plans, then it's like, okay, his way was better. It, it was way better than what I thought. You know, it was way better than how I saw it. You know, it, it might've took a little bit longer. I probably had to wait, but while I was waiting, I wasn't just idle. I was becoming, I was becoming the person that was able to sustain where he was trying to take me. And so I don't know, guys, I hope you got something out of this. I just, I just really want us to check our hearts man, check what motivates us. And if it's at the root of it, it's not to please God, just adjust, you know, say that prayer, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. And every day over time, just watch him give you his heart, give him his, he'll give you his heart for his people. He'll give you his heart for his plan. And he'll give you his heart for your purpose. Cause he wants us to win, but he doesn't want us to win for the sake of winning our lives are called to draw people to him and so i love y'all and hopefully i said something today that will help put your life in perspective this has been episode 18 heart check and i love y'all and i cannot wait to be right back here with you again next week this is life in perspective we out